You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. It's a pleasure to see all of you. Uh, This is our third of our weekend services, and I can't tell you how excited I was to get back here and share what God has put on my heart. And um, some of you are newer. If you've been here in the last three weeks or so, welcome. So glad you're here. This is my wife, Terry, and I'm Steve. And uh, we have a pr- the privilege of being on the eldership team here and leading that team here at Westside. Uh, I, um, I really felt I heard from the Lord while we were in Australia, for me personally and for us as a church. And that is to get ready for the next step that God has for us. We are a church, as Terry said, and has been highlighted this morning. We absolutely, passionately, wholeheartedly, with everything that is within us, love Jesus. We don't think we know it all. We don't think we're it. We're part of his body. We're part of his family. And I'm so glad that we're not it. We don't have to be everything and every, every, to everybody and everything. Uh, but we are a people who loves Jesus. We're following Jesus with all of our heart. And uh, we say, there but for the grace of God go I. And we have this wonderful opportunity uh, to share Jesus in our sphere of influence. And so if anything else is known about Westside, it's that we love Jesus. And that we can say confidently that we are following him. And uh, yes, we're human beings. Yes, we make mistakes from time to time. Yes, he forgives us, but we move on. We keep moving forward in this journey. And so... Uh, I want to talk this morning, and actually we're going to talk for the next few weeks, up until about Easter, about the church, the kind of church that God has in mind. What kind of church did Jesus have in mind when he turned it over to his 12 apostles, mostly uneducated? What kind of church did he have in mind when he left everything to them? He goes, I'm leaving, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and I want you to carry on what I've done. And you know, since that day that Jesus was on the mountaintop and there was a crowd there. And he said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Since that day, somebody has told somebody about Jesus and they told somebody about Jesus and they told somebody and they told somebody and they told somebody all the way to you. I'm so glad that the mandate never stopped. Our purpose as a church has never stopped. And... um, We have the privilege, possibly, of being the generation that ushers in his kingdom and his return. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, I'm so looking forward to that. So uh, I want to read out of Acts chapter 10. This is a snapshot of the early church. There's a lot of pictures in the book of Acts about the early church. Now, Cornelius was a um, centurion in the Roman army. And Cornelius was a devout man, if you read in Acts chapter 10. And he was a good man. And he feared God. And so those kind of people God is looking for. And so the thing that Cornelius had against him is he was a Gentile. Now Gentiles are anybody who are not Jews. All right? So the Jewish nation, God's chosen people... Uh, that he had had a relationship with them since Abraham, called them out, 
uh, of Ur of the Chaldeans, and we've talked about Abraham, the call of God on Abraham. Since that time, there's a whole nation of Jewish people now. Jesus was Jewish. He grew up. He died as a sacrifice for our sins, all under uh, fulfillment of the Old Testament and the Old Testament law. Jesus is all through the Old Testament, and the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. And then we, from this point, Jesus was the focal point and the centerpiece of all history. And so, uh, anyway, what about the Gentiles? What about the people that were not Jewish? And so, Peter is up on a rooftop, and he has a vision, and a great sheet or blanket comes out of the sky, and all these unclean things are in there. And uh, the Jewish people had strict laws, and there were things that were clean and things that were unclean. And so, Peter... uh, sees all these things that are unclean, and the voice says to start eating these things, and Peter goes, no way, these things are unclean. And so several times this comes uh, forward until God says, listen, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And so this was a a groundbreaking uh, happening that took place. And so at the same time, uh, God's telling Cornelius, a man's going to come and talk to you, so listen to him. So Peter goes to Cornelius' house, or Cornelius sends some servants there, they bring him back, and so Peter starts to preach to these Gentiles. And so this is what Peter uh, preaches here. And Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So this word fear is not like what we would think of being afraid of. This is fear. This is a awe-filled reverence for Almighty God. It's a deep, deep respect for God, to fear God, all right? And so then he says, God accepts people who fear him and do what's right. So that do what's right, if you look into the Greek there, that what that really means is people who do what's right, all right? It's actually saying there what it means there, do what's right. We can understand that one. So those who fear God and do what's right, we call that being righteous or righteousness, uh, declared over it. So if you're doing the right thing, uh, that is righteousness. Now, uh, you can only uh, approach the throne of God if you're purely righteous and there is no sin in you at all. And so we can't approach the throne of God until God stamps his approval upon us when we come to Jesus, place our trust in him, and, and Christ, de- because of what he did at the cross, we are declared righteous before the courtroom of Almighty God, so to speak. And so we know very well we've sinned. And God says, I declare you righteous, just like uh, Peter was arguing with God. And then God says, don't you, when he forgives you, don't you say I'm unrighteous when he declares you righteous. And that's a wonderful freedom that we have in in Christ. So Peter goes on to say, this is the message of good news. That is good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. Now, this is a description of what Jesus did. It's also a great description of what we need to be doing. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So let's say that. And apply that to us. And you know that God anointed Westside Church with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. Then Westside went around doing good. 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Isn't that great? It's amazing. And then Peter says, and we apostles were witnesses of all he did. Now here comes the gospel. He's preaching to these Gentiles. They haven't heard. They don't know stuff about Jewish religion. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. Now, you can hear a message, you can hear it with your ears, but you're not listening. They listened to what Peter was saying. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What a a great picture of of the early New Testament church. And we call ourselves a New Testament church. That means we say, what uh, what does the church look like in the New Testament? Okay, that's what we want to do. That's what a New Testament church is supposed to look like. And so a lot of churches out there who love God, who love His Word, call themselves New Testament churches. But I actually want to look at the New Testament to see what they did if I want to call myself a New Testament church instead of all these inventions and additions that we've added to over the years, which is what got the Jewish people in trouble. They added to what God told them. And it wasn't a relationship with God anymore. It was religion. And Jesus came to break and tear down religion. I'm tired of religion. I don't want to be religious. I want to have a relationship with Almighty God. And that's what he's offering to us. So the kind of church that Jesus had in mind, that word kind, we're talking about something that's a distinguishing trait, you know, something, a defining characteristic. What defines the early church? And are those uh, attributes or distinguishing characteristics uh, in action today? So the first one I want to talk about is the only one I'm going to talk about today because it's about, i got about 13 or 14 of these things. We're going to do this for the next few weeks. But the first one I have is a church filled with Holy Spirit power. That's a characteristic or a distinguishing trait in the early church. Now, I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit in everything, everything we do at home, at work, at school, uh, and at church. And what we do is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And there's, there's this thing that people insist on working for something. Jesus, I know you paid it all. Jesus, I know that you said it's finished, that you finished, you paid for all my sin. But I just want to add some extra stuff to it. I want to work a little bit. I want to check my list a little more carefully. I want, to, I want to add to what you already did. That is legalism, and that is religion, instead of trusting in the finished work of the cross. And so that's like living our life, walking up a down escalator. 
You ever try that when you're a kid? Or try it recently? Just because you want to see if you can still do it? I tried it recently and I did it. Barely. And uh, that's human effort. That's a perfect picture of religion. You just keep doing it and keep doing it. There's no life in it. And you're going against the flow. It's your own strength. And then you get tired. And then you give up. And you say, I'm finished with this. And you fall down in a miserable heap of self-centeredness, actually, and despair. And you wake up and find yourself at the bottom. It's not where you intended to go. Instead of relying on the power and the presence of the Spirit of Almighty God, even in, in going on an up escalator and serving Him and enjoying Him, and making a difference in your sphere of influence. And sometimes we'll get tired, and sometimes our humanity takes over, and we fall down in utter desperation and say, Lord, help me. And when we stand up, we realize that we've only gone further because we're depending on Him and not in our own strength. And so this is what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, And you will be my witnesses. When, the holy, uh, when you receive holy... Sorry, Half of it's uh, in memory and half of it's reading. So let me read this, sorry. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I think we said this a few weeks ago, he breathed on them, said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Then he said, wait. When he left, he said, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive uh, the fullness, the baptism of, the coming upon, the falling upon. There's all kinds of descriptors in, in the New Testament. It's, it's being full of the Holy Spirit. And to be full of the Holy Spirit, you've got to empty yourself. And when you empty yourself is when you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. So you get rid of you and say, Jesus, you be in charge of my life. So that's the first step of making Jesus Lord. And then you say, God, I want you to have every area of my body. Clean up every closet, every drawer, every, every part of, uh, of me. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, then we have the power to be his witnesses. And, and to be his witnesses means that we're laying down our life. We're giving up our life and serving him. Not only in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a... Similar culture in a similar location. So for us, the western half of El Dorado County, the western slope, it's not just Placerville, it's all this whole region we minister to. That's our Jerusalem. It's a similar culture, similar region. That's generally who we have here. And then you have Judea, which is a, a similar culture in a different location. So for example, all up and down California, uh, along the western side of the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains, you have towns all the way up Highway 49. So say go up to Auburn, and you say, Auburn, it's a pretty similar culture to here. You wouldn't have too much culture shock if you moved to Auburn, all right? But it's a different location. It's not really this location. That's Judea. Then you have Samaria, which is a different culture in a similar location. So right here in this location, we have other cultures. We have a growing Hispanic 
uh, uh, population in this area. I want that to be represented in this church. I don't want our church just to be a, a little slice of our culture. I want it to be uh, this church to be multicultural, all kinds of cultures uh, in here. And I'm so glad, even looking among the eldership, we all come from different backgrounds and different things. We may not be exactly the best of friends. Um, I don't want to give away Randy. Randy's going to be... Randy's going to turn 70 pretty soon. And when when he does, we will have elders in their 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s. That's a cross-cultural eldership that I hope represents our community as well. All right, And so, um, then a few verses later in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost simply means 50. You know, penta means five. Pentecost means 50 days after Passover. And so they knew what that day was. Uh, all the believers were meeting in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. So at the initial outbreak of the church, Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses everywhere. And I could just see the disciples. There was no manuals. There was no church growth books or strategies or missions organizations They go, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, go tell people what you've seen and what you've heard. And you know what? Nobody can take that away from you. You, If Jesus has changed your life, nobody can take away your story, what you've seen and what you've heard, what God's done in you. And so you're to witness about that. Not always tell about somebody else. Tell what Jesus did in your life. That's your story. And you can witness and attest to that. So the word witness uh, means martyr. The Greek word for a witness is martus, where we get our word martyr. So other word, in other words, you're laying your life down. And uh, several weeks ago, Tyler spoke to us about this going. You can go while you're staying. It's a great message. And then Paul talked about how the going applies to all of us. All of us are called to go. Whether we leave physically, we all have this going mentality where we want to take the message of Jesus in every place that our foot steps. And last week, Patrick spoke about how that will cost us dearly in sharing his his story. So the next thing is uh, we need the Holy Spirit not only to be his witnesses, but for signs, wonders, and healings and miracles. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So we see this. He wasn't even one of the apostles. He was one of the early deacons. And there was amazing things uh, taking place. How many of you have personally encountered a miracle of God in your life? Something that could not happen naturally. You know it was supernatural. Put your hands up. I have. All right. Just If your hand's not up, ask one of these people. Now, I want to remind you that if you are a Christian, the greatest miracle of all is a changed life. Somebody who once was dead, but now is alive. Who once was blind, but now can see. 
That is a miracle. Don't forget about that one. And that's the one that you're a witness of if you're a Christ follower. So people travel all over the world to see the latest and greatest revival or whatever that's going on. You see it on the internet or you see this or that. And I just want to tell you that there's revival going on in here. People's marriages are being restored. People's health is being restored. People's finances are being uh, restored and inter- uh, uh, intervened by Almighty God on their behalf. People are coming to Jesus here. And so I want to just say that if you open your eyes, you'll see miracles all over the place, things that God is doing that nobody else could do. I want to encourage you today to believe for that miracle. Some of you are sitting here today and saying, my finances will never be in order. I I know that Ramsey dude up there, he's going to, people are trying to get me to go to that thing, but you don't know what a mess I'm in. I want you to expect and to believe for a miracle. Some of you, your marriages are at the precipice and you think it's too late, it's too far gone. Believe for a miracle that you could never do in your own, but Almighty God could. Believe for restored relationships. Believe for that person who you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for to come to Jesus, but they're just not doing it. Expect and believe miracles. The Holy Spirit does that, not us. See the power to overcome no matter what. Galatians 5:22 and 23 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I would encourage you to memorize this. It's real easy. The first three are one syllable, love, joy, peace. The second three are two syllables, uh, patience, kindness, goodness. The third three are three syllables, and they are uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit, so when we are full of the Spirit, when the Spirit is, is in us, there's fruit that comes out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, the NIV says, and the NLT says there is no law against these things. So if you are full of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit are coming out of you, pouring out of you, I figure that's why they're called pours, because that's where it just pours out of you. The fruit of the Spirit is pouring out of you, exudes from you. You don't have to worry about rules. Rules? Where we're going, we don't need rules, all right? So, because the Holy Spirit is guiding you, you don't need to worry about rules. If your life is governed by love, what is love? 1 Corinthians 13. It's in the Bible, in the New Testament, right here. And Paul says, love is patient. This is God's agape love. It's the sacrificial, God-given, selfless love. And so if you are full of the Holy Spirit, love is coming out of you, and love is patient, and love is kind, and love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. That's love. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. If you have trouble believing in the best of other people, that's not love. 
Love believes all things, believes the highest and the best about people. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And so that's just one of the, of the fruits of the Spirit. Love comes out of you if you're full of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we've said yes to Jesus. That means we've stepped off the throne, invited him to come on the throne. So he's there, and now the, we're full of the Holy Spirit, and that's just coming out of us all over the place. So if you're like me, and you're the kind of person who doesn't like rules... I know there's some of you out there. You know, you know, it's not so much that you don't like the rules, it's you just don't like somebody telling you the rules. All right? That's even worse. When I was in the army, we had to cut our hair. And it was in the day and age when everybody had long hair. So if you're in the army, you're in the military, everybody knew it. And so I had guys, that, friends that didn't want to cut their hair. And there would be such a stupid regulation. And some sixth grade education sergeant would come and yell at you. And you just look at them and, and just stand there. And I didn't want that. So what did I do to solve that problem? I cut my hair. So nobody ever told me what to do. Why? Because I already did it. And so my friends, <laughs> we'd go out. We were in Germany. And for 25 bucks, you could go to Paris for the weekend. Take the bus, stay overnight in a hotel, get a couple meals, and get, come all the way back. So we're going away, you know, or whatever. I can't go because I have to stay in the barracks. Why? I didn't cut my hair. <laughs> and we'd go like, what's wrong with you? Cut your stinking hair. Wait, you know, follow the rules here. And so if you're, I said all that to say we don't like rules, right? So we're, human beings are basically rebellious. If you don't want to worry about any list of rules, be full of the Holy Spirit. And kindness just flows out of you. Self-control flows out of you because you're full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a prerequisite for service. Number D there, um, Acts 6.3. When they chose the first deacons and so brothers, uh, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We'll give them this responsibility. So listen, when we serve, we want to be full of the Holy Spirit. If you're at the Welcome Center or with the kids or on the parking lot or on the worship team or in the kitchen, being full of the Holy Spirit is a prerequisite to serve Him. Because if you're serving in your own strength, at some point you're going to get grouchy. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can go, Jesus, this is for you. I love you. You're, I'm in the slipstream of your grace. And we'll move forward. E. Uh, we must have the Holy Spirit to witness. Now, the first time we mentioned witness, that was for this power. Uh, this one is more as to uh, what to say. Like, you don't know what to say. Your friends ask you questions. Have you ever had a friend ask you a question? You're praying, oh, Lord, help me. I have no idea what the answer is. And then something comes out, and you go, that was good. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I want to tweet that. But you can't assign your name to it. You have to put the Holy Spirit's name to it, because he gave it to you. Or he brought to remembrance a scripture. Uh, somehow, someway, the Holy Spirit will show you when you're depending on him uh, uh, to be a witness. F, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And he gives them in abundance. Lots and lots of gifts. Um, the Bible mentions in Romans 12, there's the uh, charisma gifts, the motivational gifts, there's exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. Administration, 
uh, discernment, faith, healing, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, interpretation, wisdom. And then we also have gifts to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But the Holy Spirit gives good gifts to his co-laborers. Jesus gives good gifts to his bride, the church. That's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And the father gives good gifts to his children. That's teaching and serving and and, uh, giving and leading and exhorting and those kind of things. But the Holy Spirit gives good gifts that we need. And not just here in church. In church here, yes. But in your home. Parents, if you're struggling with your kids, say, God, I need, I need discernment. I need to know. I have a friend who when his kids were growing up, he said, Lord, please tell me everything they do before they do it. And when they come home, they say, son, sit down here. You did this and this and this. And they were like, how did you know that? God told me. You can't hide. And they were absolutely true. It would be things that God just told them. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to raise your kids. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to lead you and grow you in your marriage. Uh, Depend upon the Holy Spirit to do a better job at work. To represent the excellence of God and the creativity of God in in everything that you do. I, I think that's wonderful. In 1 Corinthians 14... Paul says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. Desire those things, he's saying. Especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be speaking, talking only to God, since people won't be able uh, to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So we have this thing. Sometimes people get confused on a message in tongues and the gift of, of your heavenly language. Your heavenly language, uh, tongues, is just privately for your personal worship time and those kind of things. A message in tongues to the church must have an interpretation. And so there's a bit of a difference. That's a prophetic word. And the, the elders are the guardians or the gatekeepers as to what's spoken uh, to the church. So there's safety there. Um, but the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Okay, so Paul is going back and forth to this personal prayer language. Jude verse 20 says, uh, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. There's all kinds of stuff about personal strengthening and encouraging, and there's uh, stuff about speaking to the church. So if you've been at Westside for any length of time, you kind of see how we run our meetings here. If somebody has a prophetic word, they'll come up to the front, whatever, uh, one of the elders is leading the service, uh, they'll uh, tell them the word, and then we'll speak it to the church. But here's the definition of the outworking of the, the prophetic. Now, there's also a difference in prophecy. It's not like, thus saith the Lord on August 22, you know, 2018, I will return. You know, like that. That's like a prophetic word, and that would be a false one, by the way, because nobody knows uh, the day or the hour. And, but prophecy, the prophetic working among us, that's different than a prophetic word that is forth-telling uh, something that's going to happen. We can all prophesy. Paul says we should all desire to prophesy. What's the result of prophecy? This kind of prophetic working in our midst is strength, encouragement, and comfort. It's right there in um, verse 3. The one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So when you leave today, if you're strengthened or if you're encouraged, or if you're comforted in any way, when you leave your small group 
if you're strengthened, encouraged, or comforted, when you leave the breakfast table and the families read the word together and prayed together and you're strengthened and encouraged, that's the Holy Spirit at work. That's the prophetic. That's the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Um, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but a person, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Paul's saying here, I wish you could all, you know, this heavenly language is available to everyone. Not everyone necessarily will get up in front of the church and do a tongue and an interpretation. Uh, um, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. That's a result of the prophetic working. Everybody's strengthened. And... Um, the gifts of the Spirit aren't just for our meetings, but Paul's talking about our meetings here because the church in Corinth, their meetings were out of control. They were baby, 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 immature Christians with a lot of power of the Holy Spirit. That's like giving a baby a shotgun. It's just not a wise thing to do. So Paul's kind of reining it in here because they had this newfound freedom. It was new for women to be in church. It was all kinds of new stuff going on, and they were out of control. So Paul's just saying, let's do these things like this. That's fine. Let's just do these in order here and bring some order, decency and order in the church. And down in verse 26, he says, he's summing up. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, another will tell a special revelation God has given, another will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they're saying. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Sometimes during worship, you might hear somebody a row or two away, and you're seeing, oh, that's, that's tongues I'm hearing. That shouldn't be done in here because everybody can't hear. That's just a personal worship time. That's not a message to the church. That's just they're worshiping before the Lord. Um, but if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy, and this is very important, let the others evaluate what is said. Paul's giving us a very clear instruction here that each one of you, if you're a believer, each one of you is charged with evaluating what is said in our meetings. So if you have the Holy Spirit in you and something is said, then there's just a consensus of agreement and approval. This is God speaking. But if somebody, say, came up here and started uh, saying something, like what I said uh, Jesus is coming back in you know, 2018 on August 21st or 2nd, whatever it said, then everybody's spiritual antenna are going to go up. And you're going to, you're going to perk up and you go, that's not right. You know why? Because the spirit of discernment that the Holy Spirit gives us is working in all of us. And so we are all charged with, you don't, you're not just uh, allowed to just sit there passively. That's why all those people who drank the Kool-Aid in Jonestown in 1978 we're responsible for themselves because we're all charged for evaluating the word and holding up what is being taught to us. Check it out for yourself to see if it's accurate and if it's true. And so what a wonderful gift we have of the Holy Spirit who gives us that discernment, who gives us that ability, who gives us wisdom, who gives us understanding, who leads us and guides us into all truth, who's our enabler, and we absolutely uh, need him. So in verse 39, so my... Um, 
Dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So that's our first point about the kind of church that Jesus has in mind to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. Make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. Someone might say, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, if you as earthly parents love your kids and you give them an egg when they're hungry instead of a stone, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So a person says, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. I repent of my sin. And if you haven't done that, do that today. Do it where you're seated right now in faith. I turn my life over to you, Christ. I want to be a Christian, a Christ follower. And then, that's one time you're saved. Then you go, Holy Spirit, help this to stay alive in me. I need to stay full of you. That's why Paul says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that takes time in his presence. It's amazing to me how people don't have five minutes to read their Bible, but they have five or six regular shows they watch on TV. Just, just bring your Bible and show me how you can accommodate that. To spend time in His presence. To worship Him. Get your favorite worship music. We all have our fa- favorite worship music. I'll tell you what, I've heard some rap music recently done by some believers, and it really does usher you into God's presence. It really does, for the people who like that kind of music. And, and there's symphony music, or there's, you know... Phil Wickham songs that we sang today and, and, uh, and all kinds of things. That, but somehow, some way, or just use your own, play guitar and sing in the shower. I don't know what it is, but worship God. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. It takes time to build intimacy with God, to be full of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to go out there and live the life that God's called you to live on your own strength. You want to do it in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Father, thank you for this word today and an exhortation that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen.